Please join me in in prayer. Our Father, you are king, you have splendor. You are our awesome God. You are the ancient of days. You are the great I am. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, the blessed Trinity. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you call us your children. Thank you that you humbled yourself even while we were yet sinners. We pray, Lord, for this time today that we could hear from you, hear from your word. We thank you that you hold times and seasons in your hand as we are in a time of transition here at Tyndale on both a small and a large scale. Pray, Lord, that as we uh, spend this time together in community, that you will speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. There are uh, very few times in my life when I have actually heard from God, and that may seem strange coming from a professor of New Testament at a Christian university, but that's actually the case. Uh, For me, um, maybe about five times. Right now I can only think of three specific times. And the reason why I'm even mentioning that is because one of them happened this summer, and it's caused a bit of reflection in my own life and something that I want to share with you. I could go into the details, but that wouldn't really help too much, and it would be too much of what I want to talk about. But just to say that part of what was behind uh, this, this time of hearing from God this summer involved um, uh, the death of my grandfather. <laughs> at a time when I was at a, a, a week-long conference away from my immediate family who were just here with me, and, uh, and out of that time, the very next morning, I, um, I began to read the daily office for the day, and I didn't get past the first line of the first psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Psalm 40, verse 1. This verse has given me a lot to think about with regards to Waiting. It's something all of us do. Whether we're waiting for the light to turn green, whether we're waiting for a bus, whether we're waiting to get that hot beverage in the morning to jumpstart the day, whether we're waiting for the academic year to come, whether we're waiting for fall, for spring, for the first snow, whether we're waiting for a family member or a friend to call or email, whether we're waiting for a flower to open. Are we waiting for a spouse? Are we waiting for kids? Are we waiting for our kids to move out? Are we waiting for God to speak to us again for the first time? Waiting. Waiting can be peaceful or it can be all-consuming and nerve-wracking. If you're on the deck of a cottage, which I'm assuming some of you may have done this summer since this is Toronto, right? It's what people do. Maybe not every, that's not what I did this summer, but uh, I'm not from Toronto. Um, 
if you're on the deck of a cottage with no distractions and you're waiting for the sun to set on a pleasant summer evening, to me, that's my idea of peaceful waiting. If you're waiting for results from the doctor or an exam or a government office, not exactly peaceful. These days in our amazing technological world with all of its benefits, I think waiting is usually becoming a space for multitasking where we uh, can often read or view things that probably aren't worth our time. Like, do I really care what Miley Cyrus did and what thousands and millions of people think about what she did? Do I care that Madonna is the highest paid celebrity last year? No, I don't really care about any of that. But that's what we do sometimes when we wait, is we read and view and learn about those sorts of things. Maybe some of us are better with filling our time and multitasking, but I think that is becoming more and more of a challenge for us, especially for our students. More pressing, is it possible to wait for the Lord if we are busy and multitasking? How do we wait for the Lord? Does living in distraction count as waiting? Are we waiting? I'll read a psalm for today, Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not receive, you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quick to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha! Aha! Be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, The Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. O oh my God, do not delay. The waiting, I think, here is key. It's how the psalm starts. I waited patiently for the Lord. But there are some things 
that precede it. What precedes the psalm of David is the cry of the psalmist. The psalmist has cried out to the Lord from the slimy pit, from the mud and the mire. We can assume, I think, that in verses 11 and 12, that the troubles without number that are surrounding the psalmist and the sins are possibly related to this pit. The request for help for saving, the shaming of those who seek the psalmist's life are likely the same or similar to the cry. The psalmist is in a rough spot, or at least feels like a difficult spot. Been there? You there now? When I think of a literal slimy pit, I can't help but think of a a prison in the ruined castle of St. Andrews. Now, I didn't actually attend St. Andrews. Uh, Dr. Ron Kidd and Dr. Daniel Driver both attended St. Andrews, but it was just two hours down the road from where I did my doctoral work in Aberdeen. And when family would visit, we would often make the trek down there uh, for a day trip, about an hour and a half uh, down the road to St. Andrews. But in the ruined castle of St. Andrews, there was a prison, a bottle prison. Anybody know what a bottle prison is? Shaped like a bottle, set into the rock of the castle. So basically, a person would be lowered, just barely fitting through the neck of the bottle into the bottom of the bottle. And then you would sit. Your prison was in there. The only way out was through the top. And it was high enough that you couldn't climb out. And there was no hope. And as if that wasn't bad enough, Scotland is cold and wet. And this castle is set on the cliffs of the sea. Cold, wet, Dark, dank, mud, mire. That's what I think of when I literally think of this. But for this psalmist, we're not talking literally about mud and mire. That's how he's describing it. That's how he's describing his situation of being surrounded, of coming to terms with his sins. As Charles Spurgeon says, nowadays people do not seem to know much about that horrible pit. I wish they did. The cry of the psalmist is coming from this place, but to whom is the psalmist crying? The cry is to God, but there are other people to whom the psalmist could cry to. Verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. The proud here may be the wealthy. It's typically the case. The wealthy, those with authority, the powerful. A likely reason you could uh, trust a proud person, a powerful person, a wealthy person is they might be able to help you out of your situation. Sometimes that seems like an easy answer, a quick answer, rather than waiting for God. Where does waiting for God get us sometimes, we might ask, when I can ask this person or that person to actually help me and I can get a quick response. But the psalmist says, blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, not in false gods, not in the proud. But why? Verse 5. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. Were I to tell of all the wondrous things you've done, I couldn't do it because there are too many. God has done so many things that that's the reason to place our trust in him. He's done it before. He can do it again. He will do it again. 
God is worthy and more than able to answer our cries. But he doesn't always answer right away. The psalmist made his cry to God from the miry pit and waited. Many of us may be in difficult situations. may not involve mud, unless your uh, basement was flooded this summer. Hopefully it doesn't involve people attempting to take your life, although your kids or parents or friends or job may be sucking the life out of you. Or we may have an illness that's taking a toll on us. You can't help but think of, uh, of Norma and having missed her. I, I make more trips to the library in the summer. Uh, so it's been sad not to see her at the front desk this summer. One of the challenging things for me, which is tied up with the, the experience of this psalm this summer, which seems somewhat trivial and silly in some ways, but continues to be a challenge for me as I come to terms with it, is um, I didn't think I was going to be tearing up over all this, uh, is, a, is a knee injury I sustained playing indoor soccer with students back in November. I actually uh, I tore my ACL and tore the meniscus in my, in my left knee. And I have not had surgery on it, and I'm still looking into whether or not I should or not. But the, the healing has, I, I mean, I can bend it and move it. I can walk, all right, but I can't run. And I never realized, I think, how much um, I enjoyed running as a simple, relaxing, freeing sort of activity until I couldn't do it anymore without causing major uh, stiffness or soreness to my knee for the following couple days. That's my challenge to wait, even though I don't know what the waiting for that means. Where is that? Is there an answer to that? I don't know. But I feel like I'm being challenged to wait. Whatever our challenges, whatever your challenges are, my challenges, our cry can only be answered by God. Not by doctors, not by surgeons. Not by loan officers, not by plumbers, not by lawyers, not by admissions officers, not by city permit granters. Only by God. Cry to him. Trust him. He has done many things before. But then after our cry comes the hard part for our instant gratification culture. Waiting. I waited patiently for the Lord. Not only is it waiting, it's waiting patiently. Being patient. Bearing provocation, annoyance, misfortune, delay, hardship, pain, etc. With fortitude and calm and without complaining, anger, or the like. Ouch. Bear all of our trouble with calm and without complaining. Come on, it's hard enough to wait, right? Uh, my patience has been pushed this summer by my middle son, Jonathan. He's two. Don't need to say much else. 
For those of you that understand what that means, he's at the age where, as individuals, we yearn for independence, yet we're not entirely capable of doing much for ourselves. Everything is me do it, myself, uh, and that takes time, especially, and then you're, you're hearing that being said with, with passion, right? Uh, like everything depends upon uh, doing something ourselves. It's been a summer or, or more of this. It's always a stage, right? But you're in it. it. He always has to get into his car seat, into the car and into his car seat and buckle it, a five-point harness, by himself. <laughs> Usually we're always in a hurry, most likely because it's often taken, we've already had to deal with getting my shoes on myself before we get to the car. So... I, I can wait the extra two to five minutes of letting him do my seatbelt myself, or I can uh, do it quickly and experience 10 or more minutes of tantrum in the car as we drive away. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm not usually bearing this with fortitude, calm, and without complaining. <laughs> Waiting is hard, but patiently. I waited patiently for the Lord. I've been challenged by this verse and this psalm in multiple ways. I waited. I'm not a huge fan of waiting. And I'm concerned that as a culture and a society, we're losing the art of delayed gratification. It hurts our satisfaction. Since once we're satisfied, though, satisfied, we're on to the next thing that we want or desire. What does it mean to wait today? Waiting challenges our wants, our desires, our preferences, our perspective of how things should be. Waiting, waiting in silence without distraction, forces us uncomfortably to come to terms with ourselves. All of our thoughts, our ideas, our worries, our concerns that are running through our heads and hearts. <clears throat> Waiting can be a positive time of self-reflection. What is it I desire? Is it worth waiting for? Waiting can be an invitation to sit with God, to speak with Him, and listen to Him. We can ask God, what are you inviting me to in this time of waiting? What am I to do? What am I to learn? What am I to grow in as I wait patiently for you? I waited patiently as we learn to wait, another challenge, I think, is learning to do this without complaining, to do this with calm. Patient waiting challenges our expectations of when we should get this or that, when something should happen, when our spouse should come, when a child should come, when our promotion or moving house, if your house is going to be 
destroyed by wrecking balls and explosives in a year from now, for example. A degree for waiting for a degree for waiting for when we should get better, our illness, our injury, if we will. Waiting patiently involves releasing what we think and want to God's will and timing. His will be done in heaven and on earth. I waited patiently for the Lord. Who are we waiting for? We waiting for someone who gives us a quick answer, an easy answer? Who is central in all this? Who made the world and everything in it? Who planned everything before the foundation of the world? In whom should be our trust? Not in the proud or in those that are not gods, but in the one who has already done many wonders. Wait for him. Patiently. Cry to the Lord and wait patiently for him. He will turn and hear our cry. Yet the last line of the psalm, O my God, do not delay. Father, we thank you for this time of being together. We thank you for the challenge of waiting and pray, Lord, you will help us to wait, to ask what you're inviting us to in whatever We're waiting and being challenged by, Lord. Pray you'll help us as we go from here in our jobs, in our families, in our friendships, in our world, in our society, as we serve you in our vocation and calling. Lord, we thank you for Tyndale, and we pray for Tyndale and those in leadership here, all those who make this place work and run, and for those who have the benefit of learning here, Lord. We pray that the mission of this place will continue to grow and to challenge our world and this city, we pray. Amen. As you go from this place, may your soul wait for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. Go in peace.